Someday, Sunday morning. Some days it's like, for me, it's like hopeful. Some days just like in the middle of things. It's a very gray word. What's up, everybody? We've made it to episode three. Thank you for joining me again. I'm Sammy Bananas. This is Talking About Someday. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast or if you've listened to the first two and haven't told your friends yet, please help me out. You know you want to do it. Anyways, here we are. Special episode today. It's a double feature. The song in question is Getcha Getcha featuring Bosco and Ladonis. I couldn't get Bosco and Ladonis together in the same place, so I did two separate conversations, and I just am going to put them back to back. So first up, we have Bosco. She's going to talk about growing up in Savannah, about what she's trying to capture with her sound, and we're going to break down Getcha Getcha. Then we go to Ladonis, who I caught up with about a month ago in California. And we'll talk about him growing up, his time in the military, his time in Japan, and um, a lot about the session that he and Bosco had that generated his part in Getcha Getcha. So, here we go. Who are you? Who am I speaking with? My name is Bosco. Um, I'm from Savannah, Georgia, and... um I'm a little fairy, little good energy fairy. <laughs> um, okay, so, so you grew up in Savannah. You were born in Savannah? Yeah, born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. Do you like remember the first time where you thought that you might want to perform music on a stage? It was when Michael Jackson's Dangerous album came out because the cover art was sick. <laughs> the Dangerous album was tight. And then... When Lean On Me came out, that song, I don't know, it just it was a song that just made me feel something. So I remember jumping on the coffee table and just singing Lean On Me to the top of my lungs. It's great to know that you are a dangerous Michael Jackson person because that <laughs> definitely is like where I discovered Michael Jackson too. Yeah. You know, it's all about like what age you were when... When you when, discovered... You know, he, he, whenever the album dropped, like, yeah. what, like was it bad? Was it you know, thriller. And for a certain age of people, it was dangerous. <laughs> I remember getting my aunt and uncle gave me that tape. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. And like, it just was like, blew my mind. Absolutely. Like, cause the disc was like twenty two ninety nine. <laughs> it's like, I had to get that for my birthday. Cause do you remember like back then CDs, they used to cost a lot. In in twenty eighteen dollars, that's like it's like fifty dollars. I know. Like imagine if people were paying you like fifty bucks for your album. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's equivalent to fifty bucks now. Absolutely. When did you start uh, like singing or writing music or what? Where did that come from? I started like any black kid in church. My mom used to make me sing in a choir. I got a lot of my stripes from that. And then I would do like local talent shows. And I hate, I don't know why I did those. I, I suck at like competition and singing. 
it kind of brings like a lot of pressure for no reason. Did you ever have a, a band? I did have a band for like two years and it got like really challenging to like keep five people together. And I'm trying to transition back into that, like try to find a way to do that. But it's really, it's not cost efficient to have like four, four to five people on the road. Um, but now I have a three piece, including myself, and that's like been going really good. So I like that. So kind of getting back around to the band thing, but I think it's one day at a time. The way that I heard about you first was through the track you did with Treasure Fingers, another Atlanta yes. artist on Shouts Fool's Gold. Shouts out to uh, Treasure Fingers. Was it like you got interested in, in dance music particularly, or you saw that as some place that you could do your thing on? or Honestly, like I heard an old Treasure Fingers song. I think it's the song that popped him off. Cross the Dance Floor. Yes. And I was like, who is this? Uh, my friend Tune Day from Fresh I Am, he was friends with Ashley during the time. And he introduced us. He was like, you guys should work together. And he was like, and you may not understand it, but you should work together. And, and then when we did, we brought our two worlds together because I was always into dance music, but it was just trying to find a particular type of dance music that I was the most drawn to. So um, when I heard that, I was like, man, this just reminds me of justice and like, all that Daft Punky stuff that I was liking. Cause I think the thing with dance music is just finding out the different genres in dance. And I wasn't like educated on that. So when I found him, I was like, this is tight. Yeah. I think that I first met you. Um, I think we did like a fool's gold related gig together at Soho house in New York. And that was after the first EP that you yeah. did for fool's gold, the solo EP. Yeah. Mm hmm. You know, from names to to that EP to then on to B, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but from what you said in the beginning with the like alt band stuff that you were doing, it seems like you kind of are going in a circle to kind of like get back to the place where you started. Yeah. Like with, with more, with sort of like more knowledge and more yeah conviction about what you're doing. I'm a person, I'll try anything once. If it's not anything that's going to kill me, harm me or make my piss off my mom, I'm willing to try it. You know what I'm saying? I think some of the joys in life is to be open and vulnerable to change. And once I adapted that, I was able to explore other genres without any limits on me. Being from Savannah, I grew up on jazz, blues, things like that. But it also is a beach coastal city. So I still have that type of, um, I guess, vibe or aesthetic. So... I think right now for me, I'm just taking, like you said, all of those elements and trying to find a way to kind of express that um, with those same like undertones. It's crazy because you just said Savannah is a beach city. And I think if I had, if you had asked me where's Savannah in Georgia, I would have been like, uh, <laughs> I had no idea that it was on the coast. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's, it's, that on, actually, it's like, actually on the coast. That kind of blow, blows my mind a little bit. I mean, us uptight, northeasterners we don't know shit about the south even if it's georgia so it's like literally on the coast we have a port and we have a beach and it's a pretty big port and um so you have those like gypsy majestic kind of vibes um but it's also like rootsy and you know like the slavery and stuff like that so it's a very interesting palette um like between the historic preservation the architecture um it's known for being a ghost city mixed with like beach vibes it's 
you're you're gonna be a, a special special person coming out of that city <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot of different things nice okay cool that actually really helps me a lot that helps me understand <laughs> some things um like the beginning of us working together mm-hmm. in my memory i sent you three beats and one of them you didn't use one of them became castles and one of them became getcha getcha oh we used two out of three I think you used two out of three. That's oh okay. That's pretty good. Because <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I never like send a lot of beats to people, and and I I I always just like send a small number that I've kind of tried to yeah hand pick. It's not like try to read their minds on what they would like, but it's almost like me trying to understand what's the way that will gel best together. You know, Mm -hmm. like what's like based on what I know about this person's music that they've done already and the sound of their voice and just their general vibe. Like, what's the way that we can fit? Do you remember with the Gitcha Gitcha beat what you noticed about it? I just thought of like skating immediately. I thought of like nice blown out hair, sparkles. (laughs) Uh, Just me. It just made me feel like very iridescent. <laughs> but I don't remember how I just started writing it though. Was it at your house? Or was it I on I think fa- it was on FaceTime. I think that I'd sent you the these tracks and when we got on FaceTime and I had it set up so that I could record what you were singing and I was recording that so that I had like the scratch idea of what of uh, just the things that you were f- freestyling mm-hmm. well, that's a, I like that it's so oh that that's what you did because the second of give me your love that's how it that's how it's different the second time so you're like give me your love give me your love song has a bouncy kind of throwback feel to it you think it's throwback i think it's like i think it's mod throwback it became more modern and contemporary like later into the production (laughs) did you like it in the beginning did i like it in the beginning yeah 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 i mean i definitely knew there was something about it which is why i sent it to you and I want and and I felt like you could really like shine on it that you would do something maybe slightly different than I'd heard you do but that you would like nail it that's kind of where some of the stuff I talked about with Donis comes in because after that was when you guys had a session together yeah where the bulk of the rest of the song came together right I remember playing this for Donis in um, Atlanta um it was our first time like really connecting and working together and sharing a space and I was like, yo, just come I'm working on some stuff. And he's like, yo, this will be tight. So it's like gonna get on it. And we started writing it and he sounded good on it. So I was just like, you wanna do it together? And it kinda just happened like that, like him adding that flair. Cause I've never heard him really sing like that. So that put him in another headspace and he was able to creatively like 
different tribute to the track in another way that he's never done before either. After that session that you guys had, you'd recorded like the bulk of the verses of the song and you sent it back to me and it had this other voice on it. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> really? Did, like, did you get Seal to sing yeah. on the song? <laughs> I can't resist. I can't resist. Moving like this. Hand on your hips. Grooving like this. Baby, you got me wondering why. Wondering how I get so high. I can't resist. I can't resist. Yo, I didn't want to say that, but that's what I thought. I'm like, yo. And and you were like, that's Donis. And I remember being like, Donis, what? Right? That's what I said. I was like, that's yeah. Donis. What? And at that point, I got really excited about the song. I think I was already excited about it, but then, you know, it's You heard great. another voice, and you're like, ooh, that's pretty Well, I mean, tight. like, with this, with one of the things that's cool about collaborating with someone remotely is that you're not there during like a key creation part of the song. So I feel like it, with this song, it kept me really excited about the song because things kept happening that were a surprise to me. And so when I then heard that, it was like, whoa, this, is, this has made me think about it totally different. And I had all these ideas of where to take it and right. how to then, you know, like take it from the demo stage to completion whereas if i had been there with you guys in the studio it sort of feels like it wouldn't be the same i would yeah absolutely yeah we were able to just kind of take like the bare bones of it and kind of sculpt it and mold it together from a singer songwriter perspective you know you know one of the things that happened after donis's voice was on there is I took that and sort of did the pitch shifting effect to create basically another element of the hook because, or is really that was the part of the sort of like post-chorus that section. I, I can. You know, that, yeah, that, that, was my, that was my favorite part. And like that is definitely the thing of the song that makes it feel current this is a this is a pop song you think so it's like everything that i do is it's i've been describing the songs on the on the album as accessible so that they didn't so that when you say pop like people think something really like (laughs) sheeny and with a million people writing it and why does pop have that connotation yeah i mean to to me i only don't call i only wouldn't call it pop music or I would try to find a different word because it yeah it has that reputation I mean in in reality pop music to me is just it's music that's based on the format of the popular song so that means that you know you might have a verse pre-chorus chorus post-chorus verse you know verse pre-chorus chorus whatever like you might have just that this the sort of tried and true format of popular music because clearly there's a lot of music that doesn't isn't structured that way it's, that's why you kind of can't call it pop music because people <laughs> think that it's been made in burbank somewhere with like 17 <laughs> people working on it it's burbank. the thing that i've been asking everybody in these conversations is related to the name of the album 
mm-hmm. which the name of the album is called Someday. I'm just curious what that word means to you. Someday, Sunday morning. Someday is just like, for me, it's like hopeful. Someday is just like in the middle of things. Hmm. I like that in the middle of things. Because <laughs> it's sort of like you're not at the beginning, at which point you're not thinking about what's going to happen yet. And you're not at the end knowing that you don't have a chance to have yeah. the thing you wanted to happen. Exactly. So you're kind of like, right. there's still the possi- there's still the possibility. <laughs> it's a very gray word. So now we're going to switch gears and head over to the conversation I have with Ladonis. Here we go. Introduce yourself. I am Ladonis Crump, known as Ladonis in the music circles and also Donis, rapper, artist, you know. Singer. Singer. We're trying to do a little bit of everything. Man. We play around with it all. Uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, Jonesboro, Georgia to be exact, south side of Atlanta. And yeah, man, I'm a country boy like Tom Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow right now we're sitting at the Ritz-Carlton in Santa Barbara. Reporting outside. live. We are sitting on a veranda outside of a hotel room. Which I did not know what a veranda was until today. <laughs> Sammy I'm, hooked me up with the vernacular. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it is. If you hear any like the sounds of birds or or waves or beautiful flowers... On the microphone, just know that that's the environment that we're in. It's There's beautiful. also sounds of golf carts yeah. going by. Look luxurious is what <laughs> this is. <laughs> shout out to the Ritz Carlton. Uh, shout out to Planned Parenthood, Mid Coast, South Coast, whatever. We're helping them with the with the fundraising gala tonight. Yes. yes. Um, so you're from outside Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Do you have a memory where you were like the first time you remember being excited about performing? I do. Uh, me as a kid. Uh, in Atlanta, I remember my father taking me to an open mic. It's like this little like reggae hall, small hole in the wall, dark, musty club uh, that my dad took me. To. It's, called, it's called the Royal Peacock in Atlanta. It's still around. And uh, he took me there to perform. And I remember performing and forgetting my lyrics. And but but everybody like was so like amped for me. And so like supportive because like you got this kid in the eighth grade is like what is he even doing here on this late night like at this open mic performing his records but uh that is just awesome to like look back at that and see how like supportive my family has been you know through my musical journey i started like recording heavily at the age of uh 14 I had a girlfriend who was 15 at, at the time so she would like take the car and drive and stuff and take me to the studio and then as soon as i was able to get behind the wheel i was driving myself to sketchy studios in, in Atlanta and like trying to really learn the process of uh, creating music, you know? So you said your family was really supportive. Like, were they like, were they listening to hip hop rap music? Yeah, or were they more, definitely. Or, or, my, my parents listen to, uh, listen to a lot of, a lot of oldies, you know, I still like in my car when I'm back in Atlanta, I have like a 2006, like Dodge chargers. And it's just got like, there's no Bluetooth. There's no aux cord. There's none of that. So I was still riding around the CDs, and um, my dad has this old CD that I ride around to, and it's got everything on there. Earth, Wind, and Fire, Kraftwerk, you know, Marley, all, everything everything you can, like, kind of uh, imagine. Luther Vandross, and I, that's what I cruise around to, you know. And I tell my girl all the time, I'm like, hey, like, if anything happens to me, you take this CD and you ride around to it because that's all I'm listening <laughs> to, right? Uh, but, yeah, my, my dad was a DJ uh, when he was in the military, and, like, I don't really – 
recall him like playing like the records in the house per se but they were always up on new music always playing new music we had columbia house cds come into the house all the time and his dj setup was always set up and he had like the recording the recorders and everything so i grew up like tinkering with with all that stuff you know did you move around? Because you spent some time in Japan, right? Was yeah. That when you were a kid, or was that? Oh no, no, no! no. That that was when because you went to you went to the military. Yeah, too. I went to the military as well. So uh, I lived in Japan. Two thousand and four was when I moved to Japan. Uh, I was just like turning like about to turn like twenty twenty one. Japan was a huge musical influence. You know, like just kind of like becoming a man and like finally getting to go to nightclubs and doing stuff like that. So when I was in Japan, it was just like, oh man. I didn't want to give up my pursuit of music. So I was in the military. Like I would stomp and make like, you know, it had this thing called CD stumper where you would like stomp your like sticker on top of the CD and then you hand out CDs. That's how it worked. So I would just go to, to, to the strip and I would just hand out CDs. Like I knew like all the other military members were going to be out there. So I'd like be like after the club or whatever and I'd be handing out my CDs. And then I remember one promoter, heard my stuff his name's Jiro he's still an incredible promoter out in Japan and he like put me on like my first shows and I got to open up for like Chingy and like it was crazy you know it's really really crazy but um it was it was was awesome experience man like Japan and the street culture and you know the Bape and the Supreme and all that stuff that's out there so like I really that was like the heyday of that. That, yeah. that stuff was really and and the Japanese went super hard. Oh, into, they, they were I mean, they were playing because they were because because I feel like sneaker culture was already has already been a big thing there, and mm-hmm. just any kind of collecting culture. Yes, is is just so strong. There. Yes, so whether it's records, whether it's sne- shoes, they're passionate. Whatever, yeah, they're passionate people. Whatever it is they love, you know, like you said, comic books, sneakers, records, whatever it is. It's like when they're about it they go all the way in on it and that's something that um i really appreciated about the culture out there so you came back from from japan um and i mean at some point like it didn't it wasn't super long out of that after that that you started doing stuff with fool's gold which is where i met you yes yes um yeah after i left japan i was in denver colorado and i was in denver and I felt like I wasn't working hard enough because a, a young lady I was seeing at the time was like, you're not trying hard enough or whatever. So I got in my car and I drove like 12 hours to Oklahoma to meet these producers that I really just thought were incredible from my space. And I went out to Oklahoma and I recorded like three records uh, that weekend that I worked with them. And then I drove all the way back to Denver and um, I put those records on my MySpace and that's what caught a-Track's attention and he reached he was like hey I, I'd love to do something with you or whatnot and um, what was one of those the party work yeah party works and dope girl were those two yeah. records and it was really crazy uh I didn't really know what was going on in New York I didn't know much of anything I knew that he had some work with the cool kids and I think his sister uh and I still had time in the military and I was really trying to get out and they were not having it and it was like really crazy to have people like wanting to sign me um to record deals or just like talk to me just about where i saw my music going um while i was already in you know a contract with uh, the united states of america <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to break that contract yeah, they it's not, like much they more difficult than breaking a contract with a label <laughs> or anything say what like you want to say they're not really hearing it man. <laughs> <laughs> they've heard it before yes 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 um so 
I think that the first time that I met you was, um, and, and I was aware aware of your music from the moment that that A track started talking about it because you know I've been part of Fool's Gold since the very beginning, so uh-huh. I kind of have been there for all of the different waves of music that happened. But the first time that I met you, I th- I think was this Converse basketball game. Yeah, that we got roped into somehow. So it was a celebrity <laughs> game. Before I was like, we're celebrities, man? Like, this is hot. This is lit. The reason that we were on the Fool's Gold team is because your manager at the time, Who's Dan Salamito, like played college basketball. Yeah, yeah, Penn, Penn State. He's a baller. So us skinny, scrawny guys with Dan going up against like Jim Jones yeah, yeah, and like ridiculous. the Dipset team. Very aggressive, <laughs> a very aggressive set of gentlemen, as you can imagine. <laughs> so, so um, I think I, I remember both of us actually being on the court for some portion of that game. Yeah, um, I, re- I remember two seconds for me. I feel like I was like not trying to be. A, I'm, I'm, I like to you know not have too much embarrassment going on with me. <laughs> but so like that was. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a foundational experience of our, of our friendship. For sure, for sure. <laughs> for years after that, I had the sneakers that we got to be on the team, the bright orange sneakers. Yes. I had under the frame of my bed as like to prevent the bed from rolling <laughs> down the hill of my apartment because the apartment floor was like sloped and the bed frame had wheels on the bottom. So if, if I didn't have something to stop the wheels the bed would just like roll away from the wall and so i put those shoes which i never was going to wear and they were too big anyways yeah bright orange converse shoes we had to wear and (laughs) put them under the bed this is how celebrities live guys just like you (laughs) i guess another thing that happened is that maggie and i in telephone did a cover of gone yes i remember and i can't remember if that happened before or after the next story that i was going to tell about djing for you at some kind of a and r thing i think that i think the a and r thing was after yes because the because the tape was the tape was fully done and then that's when you know the the traction started to kind of come about so yeah definitely definitely after right um do you remember anything about that <laughs> i mean you probably did a lot of those did you, you know what? You Surprising, surprisingly i didn't surprisingly yeah. i didn't that was like the only one that i remember doing and it was really, it was, I don't know. It was uh, like, they definitely gave me an offer and everything. I just look back at that and I'm like, that's really weird. I don't, I'm not, I don't know if, you know, I could possibly ever do anything like that again. You know what I mean? Like, but it was interesting for the time that it was, you know, just like sitting in a room full of suits and kind of just performing for them Yeah, while we, they watch. We were just talking about that a little bit earlier about like telling our younger selves, like giving our younger selves advice uh-huh. about what to do. In cer- certain circumstances yes. we've had in our career thus far, like I definitely have advice that I would give my younger self, <laughs> and I know you said you did maybe about this moment yeah, and other thing. moments too. But like it, you know, you can't go back, and we're where we are today because of just the path that we took. So definitely, and I think that that you know it may not have led to us actually working on music together, which is what ended up happening. Like, uh-huh. Finally, after. Yes years and years of me kind of having you on I, I i had you on a list of people i wanted to work with forever oh, that's awesome like yeah. since the first time i met you and it just finally transpired For sure. and not even because i initiated it that's the craziest part yeah is like the how how getcha getcha came about is that i had 
I had reached out to Bosco and sent her some beats uh-huh. and you happened to have a session with her when she opened up the beats essentially. Yeah. Like what kind of happened with that was, uh, you know, me and Bosco, we've known each other for a long time and, uh, just talking back and forth. And she, I feel like, uh, you know, we were always traveling, always somebody here, somebody there. We're not, mm. I happened to be spending some time in Atlanta, luckily, and she was in Atlanta at the same time, and she was like, hey, I got some stuff coming up. I want to, like, pick your brain, and let's, like, just, like, play each other records, and, like, I want to work on some stuff and do some writing. It's very, I love doing that, but for some reason, it's just very rare that I do that, and, and you know, just like our relationship, Sam, I like my work to be done organically, and, like, things just kind of happen the way they kind of happen. And uh, we went over to the studio, Tree Town Studios in Atlanta, which is an awesome studio. Like, The Love Below is recorded over there. Outkast. Uh, anyone you can, Alicia Keys, anyone you can kind of name. Drake. Everybody kind of works, has worked up there, whatever. It's great. And uh, we just had, we had a day session, which is something I don't usually do either. A day session, and she played me a few records. But the two that kind of stood out that, like, uh, I had ideas for were Castles and getcha getcha like getcha getcha and with getcha it was really great because i had this just this like idea from a record of my own you know just i can't resist i can't and then when she played it it had like the drugs reference already in there like i'm gonna give you your drugs and i was like like this is like almost like the perfect back and forth you know what i mean like for somebody who's like you know looking at love as a drug who just like i can't resist it like i have to like have it i need love and it was it was just like really great and i had never well i had but i hadn't released anything with me kind of like singing on it yet or i haven't hadn't done it in front of any of like my my peers yet so it was like really like kind of like nervous that i got in there and did it and she was like so super supportive she was like that's so dope that's like great like just keep doing it like just do it like just you're, you're killing it like stop being shy about it and we got it and i think we nailed it man i, I love that record i mean yeah uh, me <laughs> me too but <laughs> you know some of the the songs for the album i was there recording the vocals and other ones i wasn't there Mm -hmm. and it always felt kind of like a surprise when i would receive the vocals back yeah and pretty much everything that made the record when i received the vocals back it was like and i was immediately wowed by it and like that i totally remember that happening with this especially did she tell you that i was on it no that's the thing it's like so she sent so it she sent it back to me and i can't remember if she just sent me the track without saying who it was yeah and i was like wait who's singing on this and she was like it's ladonis is singing on it and i was like what are you talking about this sounds like like seal (laughs) (laughs) i was like what what is what ladonis isn't british like what is like (laughs) but what's going on but it had it totally completed the vibe like 100 percent. and i and um and yeah the, the it was great too because the the trade-off of, you know, like male-female vocals is mm-hmm. actually kind of a reoccurring thread through through some other tracks on the album too. Okay, so it nice. ended up like being perfect for what I was kind of envisioning. I think with this song too, like when I sent the beat, it was pretty fleshed out and it had that for your section, it had that kind of B section where it switches to a much more almost like neo soul type mm-hmm. vibe. It's it's basically like the pre-chorus completely shifts character and and. The, the song in itself, I see it as B 
being more of a kind of like mid eighties throwback boogie type song at its core. Mm-hmm. But then it shifts at that moment when you come on and it's almost like then you can't date where it is because it sounds more like a, yeah, like late nineties Neo yeah. soul. And so you kind of realize that, wait a minute, this couldn't be, this couldn't be from that era. I can't you're kind of playing with with the listener and and they think that they're in one place and then they can't be in that place because this other thing happens or like with the way that the the vocal chops on that yeah um which particularly which happens with with um you know your voice is one of the things that i chop with a you know uh, 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 Mm -hmm. um which brings it even more into kind of contemporary sound of what yeah. people are doing how and people super, are treating it's super seamless it's super seamless and it's it's awesome man do you remember when you heard the beat or even is there anything now when you listen to it that you really like from the production yeah i think the the part that sticks out for me is the is the ding 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 it's almost like I won't call it like a pluck, like what, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the main kind of line, like yeah, ding, that main ding, line, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 instantly captivating. You know what I mean? Like as soon as you hear it, it's one of those things where it's like I know this song. You know, I think every great song has that one thing where where it's like no matter where you are, you're in the bathroom or whatever, you hear it. You're like that's that's my that's my jam. That's my shit. Let's get out of here. And and that's that part of that of that record for me. Like as soon as I hear it, it, it's just like it feels like what's what's happening right now, but it also feels throwback, which is like really crazy. It's like what what are you talking about? <laughs> almost. <laughs> no, but, like that, yeah. but, that, but that's the that that's what I'm trying to inspire with almost with everything I do. Is I want people to feel that exactly what you're explaining. Yeah. So that but that but that's what I feel is when I hear when I hear that part, and I think that's what helped bring the bring the record you know to life like hearing that type of instrumentation or whatever and it's like all right like you're 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 in the flow already right and you know that this can be something something super special because you're watching you're watching people who are imitating trying to imitate the sound or try to catch that vibe and it's not something that you can just catch i think it's something that you have to as this cliche or whatever that may sound it's like it's something that you kind of have to feel to to be able to create you know hell yeah so it's been out for a while. You probably have already heard it. Or maybe you haven't. Either way, here is Getcha Getcha featuring Bosco and Ladonis. I can't resist, I can't resist Moving 
Oh. 